Go to the book of James, if you'll turn there with me. And this this passage has been on my heart this week, and so usually I try to make sure I meditate on that and think God wants that delivered to you this evening. James chapter 1. I want to preach to you tonight on what to do when problems come. I don't know if there, I don't know, I've never lived in any other time but this one. (laughs) But people have always had problems. But boy, they got problems today. Saved, lost, young, old, rich, poor. And whatever your problems are tonight, and, and you need to stop just a moment and realize that everybody in this building has problems. <laughs> and if you're not careful, you'll think nobody has a problem but you, and that, that's not true. There are things that people deal with that you have no idea what they're dealing with. That's in church and out of church. And what this passage of Scripture tells me is, what do I do when I have a problem? What does God want me to do? And we need this because this is not what I would tell somebody to do if they have a problem. It doesn't even make sense, humanly speaking, to give... Somebody comes to me with a problem, immediately I'm going to try to help solve that problem. That's my nature. That's what I want to do. That is not God's instructions to us when we have a problem. And may I say this, God knows more than we do. And He not only knows the answers, He knows the questions. And we don't really even know the questions so many times. And I really believe that God knows best, and I really believe that God cares, and God knows what I need, and He put it in the Bible. So I, I have no idea what all it, I know what some of your problems are because I pastor you. But there are some problems that are never even spoken. So tonight, as we go through the Word of God in these verses, May we find out what God tells us to do when problems come. James chapter 1 and verse number 12, the Bible says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, But let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. 
Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. He says in verse number two, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. Divers. Now, the first time that word is found in the Bible is in Deuteronomy 22, verse 9. It's talking about divers' types of seeds that are planted. So there, there are many different kinds of seeds that you can put in the ground. If you look at that word divers, that's, that's the word it's talking about, things that are very different. And so when he uses this word divers, he's letting us know there's very different things that can come into your life. He uses the word temptations. Now, the word temptation, there are different types of temptation. The Bible tells us, in verse 12, blessed is the man and endure temptation. But then he tells us of a different temptation in verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. That's a very different type of temptation than the one that's in verse 2. That's why I use the word divers, because there's different kinds of temptation. There is temptation to sin. And then there's temptations that are a test and a trial. Because God doesn't tempt any man with evil, but the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 22, if you've read your Bible, that God came down and the Bible says that God did tempt Abraham. Is that what your Bible says? That was not a temptation to sin. That was a trial of his faith. A different type of test that he was going through. Not a test to see whether or not he would sin, but a test of his faith. Now, I know we don't, none of us like tests. We didn't like them in school and we don't like them in life. But the truth is, a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. And the only way that you know that what you have is real is is to put some fire to it, to put a test to it. And so there's a temptation to sin. That's one type of temptation. But there's a temptation or a trial of our faith. You get the explanation of verse 2 about those divers temptations in verse 3. Look at it. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith. So the verse 2's divers temptation is about the trying of your faith. And there's all types of things that try our faith. And there, there are problems of life that try our faith. The Bible tells us also in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 5, he tells us we're kept by the power of God. And he tells us also that uh, we greatly rejoice, though now for a season of need be, we're in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold. There is something about a Christian going through problems 
and trusting God that is more precious than gold. Not just to God, but to our lives. There's nobody in there with right mind that wants to sign up for problems. But you're going to have them. And what we must do when ye fall, not if ye fall. Verse 2, my brethren, count it all joy when ye fall. In the diver's tempted. Your life, you are going to fall in a ditch somewhere. You're going to fall in a problem somewhere. You are going to fall. And that usually isn't, a, you don't plan a fall. You don't say, okay, I'm, I'm going to fall now. Falls just sort of happen. You trip over something. You didn't see something. Problems are something we fall into, those temptations. It could be with your health. You could fall into this. Array with your health. You know, some people are great Christians until they lose their health. And I'm not going to criticize anybody because I tell you what, when I have health problems, I have, I have spiritual problems. It tries my faith. It does. Health problems. It, you could fall into a family problem. There are so many family problems too you, you, that you can fall into. You can't, even, you can't even discuss them all in public. And you didn't see it coming. You didn't know it was coming. But you, there, there you go. You're in, you're, in the, you're in the problem. There are financial problems you fall into. You know, we all, used to all thank God. God has spoiled us rotten. He really has. There is not a one of us that wakes up and says, Oh God, how am I, how am I going to feed my babies today? But there are people that wake up in that situation that are saved just like you're saved. Well, what do you do when you fall into that kind of temptation? A family trial or or a financial trial, a health trial. What about some emotional trouble that you might be having? There's all kinds of problems that you can run into. And so what do we do? You know, it's very, listen, listen to me. Listen, listen to the pastor tonight. It's very important what you do when problems come into your life. It's very important how you react. They're coming when they come. But, you know, we, fortunately, and praise the Lord, God doesn't tell us we have to guess at it. What do I do, God? Okay, I'll write it in a book. And I'll put it in black and white. So you'll know. And we pick it up and we read it and say, That? You don't understand. I've got this problem so big, it's going to kill me. And you said that? The God that made you wrote this to all of us when we fall into all these divers, Tim, Brother Farley said, I remember I was a young man. I heard him preaching in my 20s. He, he was preaching through the book of James. I still forget that. I, I still forgot that. 25, 26 years ago, he said, divers temptation. He said, that reminds me of deep water. <laughs> divers. Diving down into a deep place. I thought, well, that's a different interpretation of Scripture. <laughs> Have you ever got so deep water you can't breathe? What do I do? This is what God says to do. You won't like it. I don't like it. Doesn't even make sense. Would you look at the verse 2? My brethren, 
count it all joy. When you fall into divers temptations. Now he didn't say it was it was joy. He said you got to count it joy. You say God that math doesn't add up. I tell you what other math doesn't add up. It doesn't add up that God counted to me righteousness when I was not righteous. Aren't you glad that when you put faith in God, that God counts that to you for right? That does not make sense. God doesn't count like you count. He counts better than you count. And when problems come in my life, what am I supposed to do? I don't want them there. They're difficult. I wish they were all gone. But here, here's what we do. When you fall into divers temptations, he, he didn't say get mad. A lot of us, all of us react differently, don't we? When we fall into divers, some of us get mad. Some of us get sad. Some of us get even. Right? Some of us cry. Some of us get depressed. Some of us give up. Some of us turn from God. Some of us doubt God. Some of us run for support. He didn't say to do any of those things. Some of us run, period. You ever met somebody when a problem come, they came, they just run? You ever met people that when problems come, they start fighting? He didn't tell us to do any of that. The God of heaven said, when you fall into divers temptations, this is the first thing I want you to do. I want you to count it all joy. As a matter of fact, would you drop down just a few verses? He said in verse number 9, Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. Do you know exaltation is also a problem? Did you know when God just blesses you real good, that can be one of the biggest problems of your life? Riches can be very destructive to you. But he says, if this problem... If you ever had the problem that somebody won the lottery and they just gave you the ticket, just rejoice. But look at the next one. But the rich in that he is made low. So just like the one brother is rejoicing when he's exalted, the other brother is to rejoice when he's made low, when he loses everything. I'm just supposed to count it joy. I'm supposed to rejoice in God. Regardless of what is coming my way, I am to be an individual of rejoicing. Hold your finger there. How about 1 Peter chapter 3? I'm telling you, this is not what a psychiatrist would tell you. This is not what you want to hear. And this is not what I even tell people. When, I, when people come to me with a problem, I, I try to really listen. I try to help. But the first thing I say is, oh, I'm so sorry for your problem. Why don't you rejoice? Do you know how insensitive that sounds? But that's what God said to do. You say, well, I don't feel like it. Hey, you do a lot of things you don't feel like doing. Some of you are not going to feel like going to work tomorrow. You think these kids feel like going to school tomorrow? 
or the next day? What if we just do things we feel like? What a, what a terrible life we're all going to have. Is that not right? Well, I don't feel like rejoicing. It'll help you. And even if it doesn't, God said do it. Okay, God, i got a problem. What do I do? Well, first thing to do, just count it joy. You know what? You've got to do that by faith. That takes faith. Did you know so much of the Christian life takes faith? You've got to rejoice by faith. He said in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 14, But and if you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye. I've not met very many people like that. If you're suffering, you have got to count it all joy for you. to be. You've got to do that by faith. Nobody in their right mind would do that. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial. There it is, which is to try you. As though some strange thing happened. Quit thinking your problems are strange. Problems are problems. Every human being has them. And a boatload of them. It's just you look at somebody else and you don't see what's in the closet and you don't see what's behind the door. I had to speak with somebody about problems this week. Out of state, not even here. And I mean, after I got through, I I felt like somebody threw up on me. And I was around the Doucettes and they they were playing music and one of them had one of these little watches that shows stress. And they were all putting on, you know, it's all funny, you know, you have stress. I said, let me see that. I put it on, it goes. <laughs> and the dude said, boy said, preacher, you stressed out? <laughs> it's not strange. Well, okay, so what do I do? He said, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. So some strange thing happened to you. But but what? What's the next verse say? But rejoice. Maybe I'll never get help with my problems unless I start doing the first thing God tells me to do when they come. Does the book say not, does it not say rejoice in the Lord? And again I say, Preacher, that, that don't make sense. I know it doesn't make sense, but, but it's right. He said in 1 Peter chapter 4, as he goes on down the text, he says, verse 14, if you reproach for Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. What a wonderful thing for the world to see somebody that can rejoice in the midst of their problems. Now, how, okay, you say, preacher, how can I do that? Would you go back to James? I'll show, I'll show you how we can count it all joy, regardless of what the problem is. This is how we can count it all joy. Would you look at verse 10? But the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but 
It withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Now, he's not saying this to condemn the rich man. He's talking about a saved rich man and a, and a saved uh, man of low estate. This is not a condemnation. This is what he's saying to the rich man. Okay, if you lose everything you have, just rejoice because it's not going to last forever. Your life is like grass. How many of you notice we're about not having to mow any more grass? Ask money. It seemed like yesterday we are going to have to mow it forever. It seemed like it grows and grows and grows and you cut it and it grows. And then one day, it doesn't grow anymore. That's your problems. That's my problems. The problems in life come, but hey, we can count it all joy because they're not going to be there forever. You are just like your problems, your grass. And one day it's going to fade away. It might fade away when you're 20. It might fade away when you're 30. It might fade away when you're 50. But I tell you what, take it from somebody with some experience. And some of you could stand up and testify tonight that life goes by so fast. God was not kidding when he said it's a vapor. That appeareth for a little time just a little while and vanish it away so you know why I can count it all joy I know it's not going to last forever amen I'm sitting there suffering like I never suffered before with that pain and I'm thinking just let me make it to 530 cut it out just like those ladies with those babies and they hit the seventh and eighth month. This is lasting forever. Take it out. <laughs> this has been long enough. Right, ladies? Never experienced that. But as, as soon as the baby's born, you forget all about that travail. Oh. This is the most wonderful experience of my life. You didn't say that last week. (laughs) Is that not right? When you have a problem, would you just stop and take a breath and understand it's not going to be that way forever in your life? And as a matter of fact, the promises of God to us as children of God, we get the glory. We're not going to have any problems. Zippo. So let's just... Hold out till the morning. And count it all joy. So I can count it all joy because I know it's not going to be that way forever. The second thing, I, the reason I can count it all joy, look at verse number 12. He said, blessed is the man that endureth temptation for when he has tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Not only I can count it all joy because I know the problem won't last forever, but I can count it all joy because I know there's something that's beyond the problem that's so much better than the problem that I'm going through. I can count it all joy because there can be a blessing found in the trial. Blessed is the man. That endureth temptation. If I could see the blessing instead of the hurt. If I could see the crown of life that's promised to them that love Him instead of seeing the pain that I'm feeling. I can go ahead and count it joy though I'm not experiencing the joy. 
I'll count it joy because I'll look at the crown and not the cross. Just like Jesus for the joy that was set before Him. He endured the cross. And we need to endure our trial and have joy set before Him. Knowing there's something beyond that's a blessing in our lives. He says that crown of life. You know that's mentioned one other time in the scripture. You know who it's mentioned about in Revelation 2.10? People that are faithful unto death. Do you know God says I'll give the crown of life to somebody that, that lays down their life and is faithful unto death. But I'll also give a crown of life to somebody that endures their temptation. Not just people that die for Jesus, but people that endure their problems and still love Him and still count it all joy. What do I do when problems come? I count it all joy. What else do I do? Would you look at verse 3? James chapter 1, verse 3. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith, what's that next word? Worketh patience. But let, and underline that word, circle it, put it in your brain, whatever you need to do. But let patience have her perfect what? Work that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. There's just four things to, for, to tell you tonight. I'm going to be very brief. What to do when problems come? You count it all joy. And number two, you let God work. Just let Him work. God is working on you. God is working on me. And He has to use problems to work on us because usually He can't get our attention any other way. Let Him work. You know how many times in the Bible that little phrase is used? Just let Him work. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Just let it. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Just allow God to keep working. Don't fight him. Don't question. Don't just let God do what he's wanting to do in your life through the problem. He's trying to work on you. He's trying to make you something better than what you are. And usually we don't want to be better than what we are. He says, it worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If you're saved by the grace of God, that ought to be where you want to wind up. You want to be perfect because when we come to that perfect man, to the measure, to the stature of the fullness of Christ, we're like Jesus. You can't be like Jesus without going through problems. But just because you go through problems don't mean it's going to make you like Jesus. You've got to let him work. Okay, Lord, I don't understand this. I don't get this. I am at the end of my rope, but whatever you want, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do with me, whatever your plan is, I'm resigned, I'm resolved that I'm going to... And that takes faith to let him work in you. And a lot of people, when the problems come, they step out, they check out. I'm not going to be. Inv- I'm not going to be a participant anymore. I'm not going to let him work. 
We need to let God move in our lives. So many times we stop what he's doing in our lives. Sometimes we stop it in a service. He's moving it, but we, we don't let him move in our hearts. He's working in our mind, but we stop him. We won't let him keep moving in our mind and deal with us. And sometimes through our problems, he's working in my heart, and sometimes I'll, nope, I'm not going to let you go any farther in my heart there. Let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Don't fight God. Don't fight what he's doing in your life. Don't get mad at him. God will make you a better person if you let him. See, usually we just want the problem gone. We don't want to be made a better person. We don't want to be made a better child of God. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Guys, some things you just got to endure. Just got to grit your teeth and endure it. And just let God keep working. Well, the third thing you got to do, according to God, when a problem comes, you count it all joy. You let him work. And then he says in verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not. And it shall be given him, but let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Ask God for wisdom. But let me tell you something. God doesn't answer that prayer for everybody. You say, preacher, I asked for wisdom, and I didn't get any. Well... God says, some people that ask for wisdom don't, don't get any. You have to ask in faith. You see, everything I'm telling you tonight takes faith. It takes faith for you to count it all joy. It takes faith for you to let God keep working in your life in the middle of a problem. And it takes faith to ask Him for wisdom. Do you know God knows when we pray if we believe what we're praying or not? Most of us are like, they're praying, you know, for God, for God to get Peter out of jail, you know, and he comes knocking on the door and they said, oh, he's not out there. They didn't even believe what they're praying. When you ask God for wisdom, do you believe he's going to give it to you? You know, faith is not believing that God can do something, but God will do something. It's confidence in him. Lord, you told me to ask in faith. You told me to ask for wisdom. And if I did, you'd give it to me. Now, now notice, no, listen, listen to me. Here's where our prayer goes and pray in problems. Oh, God, take away this problem. That is not the prayer. That's my prayer. He didn't say, come to me, pray, ask me to remove it. He didn't say that. He said, come to me and ask for wisdom. Maybe wisdom how to live with your problem. Maybe wisdom how to get through your problem with, with sanity. Maybe wisdom of how to deal with your problem unless, instead of making things worse for your life and everybody else around you. How to respond, how not to respond in your problem. He says, ask for wisdom. He's not asking for the problem to be removed. What, what, what a thing. He said, and if you're double-minded in this, just forget about it. Guys, we can't... If we're wanting help from God, we can't sit on the fence line on that thing. God, I'm coming to you with my whole heart. I'm asking you by faith. That may be one of the reasons that the problem comes in the first place.
the great danger when our problems come is a lack of faith that we have in our lives. And the last thing tonight, what do I do when problems come? Verse 12, blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that, what does it say? Love him. You know, we have to love the Lord by faith because we can't see him. We can't touch him. And if you love the Lord tonight, whom having not seen, you love. And this is the greatest danger, I think, with problems. I've watched it all of my 30-plus years ministry. The problems come, and people quit loving Jesus. What do I do when problems come? I don't quit loving Jesus. There is something about, the book says, because iniquity abounds, the love of many waxing cold and there's something about the problems of life that'll make your heart so cold and hard and callous that you not only can't love other people, you can't even love God. Why did God allow this? Why didn't God stop this? I don't know what's going to happen in your life and I don't know what's going to happen in my life. And I don't know if a big bomb out there is going to ruin all of our lives. But if I'm sitting somewhere, amen, with radiation poison and I don't have any food to eat, I want to sit there, amen, in that basement saying, Lord Jesus, I love you. I know thou art mine. And you mean more to me than a comfortable life. And you mean more to me than the lack of problems. For me to live is Christ. For me to live is not the absence of problems. For me to live is you. You're my life. You're what I love. I'm not in love with me. That's why sometimes I have a problem. I have such difficulty with my problems. I'm so much in love with me. I don't think me ought to go through that problem. But I need to be so in love with Jesus. That the problem just makes me run to him more. And love him more. And appreciate him more. What do I do when problems come? Count it all joy. I just let God work. I ask for wisdom. And I keep loving Jesus. And I have to do all that by faith.